You are listening to episode 80 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and we're joined by a special guest today. Ryan, kick it off. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast. We'd like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we find two strangers in our dad's house in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So uh, this week, we're actually joined by the Sega Saturn Shiro podcast. Uh, we've got Ben on the line with us here. So, uh, Ben, your turn to take it away. Hey guys, how's it going? My name is Ben. I'm with the Sega Saturn Shiro team. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, or online by searching for Sega Saturn Shiro for all of your Saturn news. Thanks, Ben. So Thanks uh, for joining us. We'll go, we'll go ahead and echo Ben right now and say that you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Game Deflators and at The Game Deflators, pending where you're looking. And of course, uh, for both of our podcasts, you can find us on Podcast Addict, which was just recently removed from the Google Play Store. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, every single podcast application out there, Spotify. And if you're not finding us on there, let the Sega Saturn Shiro team or the Game Deflators know, and we'll try to get on there. So, uh, guys, so as always, at least on the Game Deflators, Ben, I'm, I'm not sure how many episodes you've caught in the past, but we like to talk about what we've recently picked up, what we're playing, and then we go into a little bit of news. So we'll actually kind of turf it over to you, see if you have any recent pickups that you've had and uh, what you're currently yeah. playing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh, the pickups that I've had recently are actually, let's see here, I got them on my desk. Um, for the Sega Saturn, obviously, I've got uh, Hexen, which is an old computer game that I used to play. It's kind of a uh, medieval version of Doom. And uh, so while I've played through this in the past on the PC, I'm actually looking forward to doing it on the Saturn just to kind of relive that experience. It's a really fun game back in the day. I've um, never played any see. of those kind of games. I'm looking at pictures right now. I've never played any of those old yeah. like first person dungeon crawler games. Oh, dude, they're so oh, much fun. Man. They really are. If you like Doom, like the original Doom. I've uh, never played the original Doom. Like... I'm a terrible person. What? Yeah, oh, my goodness. I'm a bad okay. person. All right. <laughs> we got homework for you. And uh, yeah, it's like you've got Doom, you've got Wolfenstein 3D, you've got Hexen, you've got Heretic, you've got Hexen 2, uh, and it's even argued you've got other games um, that just fall into that category that kind of were clones, I guess you could say, the, and they they were all just so much fun to play. It was, it was definitely a really good time to uh, be a first-person shooter fan. Mm -hmm. So uh, what else did you pick up recently, dude? Oh, yeah. Okay. So another one I picked up, um, a couple of PlayStation games, uh, go figure. Uh, one of them is called Bravo Air Race. And uh, so this is basically racing with airplanes. And so you're mixing two of my favorite genres, which is fighters, uh, well, more specifically, aero fighters. And uh, now, while there's no fighting in this one, uh, you also have the racing aspect. So to me, that sounded like a lot of fun. And uh, I haven't tried it yet because I just got this one in uh, the mail just a couple days ago. But uh, but yeah, Bravo Air Race. You and, can get um, racing and the... fighting and flying in Diddy Kong racing. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> this that's is very, true. That is very true. <laughs> oh. And uh, what's your and, last pickup there? Okay, last pickup is uh, Mortal Kombat. Uh, it's the one with Jax in it. Um, it. I'm still waiting for it to come in. It actually comes in tomorrow. Um, Special Forces, that's the one. Oh. And, uh, so it's oh. one I've been really wanting to play. I've never played it yet. And uh, it's one of those um, outlier Mortal Kombat games, kind of like Mortal Kombat Sub-Zero, which is impossibly hard. <laughs> um, so... I'm hoping for a um, a little bit of an easier time with uh, Special Forces, but we'll see what happens. You know, one of the things I really enjoyed about some of the Mortal Kombat games in the past, and I played quite a few, but uh, did you ever play Deception and go through the story mode on Deception? I did, yes. Like, oh my, dude, that was seriously it, one of the best experiences I ever had of a Mortal Kombat game. I, I don't know about it, you, it was, but I, I enjoyed it. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I can definitely counter exactly what you're saying with a yes, I completely agree. 100% amazing game. Uh, so is there anything that you're currently playing that you're like fully invested in? Or are you kind of just testing the waters on some stuff right now before you get into like a, a meaty like every single day? This is what I'm playing. So I do have a meaty every single day is what I'm playing game. And it is the one that I never expected to happen. And so what it is, is it's actually a current gen game. It's um, No Man's Sky. Now, before you go out and hate on me, because like... I know everybody is very divisive on their opinions of No Man's Sky. 
uh, even I was when I first saw it and everything coming out and what happened, the whole controversy. Okay, all right, all that aside, the game nowadays is so much better and so much different than what it was when it first released. And me and my girlfriend are having such a blast with it. And we're just exploring worlds. We're trying out different things. I'm off sending fleets and gathering resources. And it's actually a lot of fun. And I, I, I'm very much invested in it at the moment. Nice. Yeah, so uh, we'll go, we'll jump into, I guess, what I'm doing uh, right now. And then we'll, we'll go into Ryan. So as far as my pickups are concerned, I picked up, at, I am picking up today, a complete in box copy of the Metroid Prime Trilogy on the Wii. And I got super lucky. The GameStop that I'm going to had a metal case version of it. So I'm really hoping that that case is in great shape. And uh, hopefully, if you cross your fingers for me, we might have a slip cover that goes with it. So we'll see how that turns out. Uh, and then my other pickups have varied all over the place. I've been picking up PSVR games at random, uh, as Ryan told us before recording. And my big pickup, that just came in the other day was the Death Stranding Collector's Edition. So Amazon had these bad boys at like 99 bucks a pop. And it was just a no-brainer, man. Like, come on, how often can you get a briefcase baby for $99 and a game? You got to get it. So I picked that up. And unfortunately, the uh, top right corner of the box is completely dented in. So, of course, I called Amazon, bitched a little bit, and they're sending me a replacement. And uh, I got to send back the other one, of course. So we'll see which one's in better shape. But they literally just threw this thing into a cardboard box and sent it to me. And it even got delayed for like three days. So I was kind of pissed. Uh, have you guys played that game? I know Ryan's played uh, yeah. some Death Stranding. Yeah. Have you played, played that, Ben? None at all. I have not. Gotcha. Well, uh, let's see. What am I currently playing? I am still fully invested in Arc the Lad 3. So that is my every day. This is what I'm playing. And as soon as work is done, it's let's sit back on the couch and get a, a few missions banged out. So Ryan, you know, we've been keeping up with this for a while. I'm in the city of Paltos and I am just about done with mission 64 or I'm on mission 64. And as soon as that's done, I should be moving on to disc two of the series. I'm at, I think at 38 and a half hours into the game right now. So uh, unfortunately, I play so many RPGs. So, uh, Ben, I honestly don't get to enjoy a ton of games a year because I'm maybe playing five or six games due to like three RPGs being in the in the mix of everything. Yeah, sure, sure. No, no, RPGs are a great category to get into. I mean, you talk about a, a game that will be a worthy investment to play. A hundred percent, man. And that's that's really what kind of that's what kills me sometimes is. I'm investing so much time into that one game that I don't get to enjoy some of the smaller eight to nine hour type games, which is, you know, part of our inflation deflation this week uh, with Castlevania Symphony of the Night. That's that's a game that I probably should get back and just like play eight hours and sit back and beat that. But I'm so invested in these RPGs on a day to day basis that I never get that opportunity. So I kind of have to learn a little bit. I got to, you know, balance it out a bit. So, Ryan. I'm going to assume you had no pickups, but I don't want to assume at the same time. So I have non-gaming pickups. This week I got a portable monitor to go with my laptop so that I can have dual monitors on my desk. And it's got HDMI inputs so I can play my Switch. I can play the classic consoles that I got. I can hook up my PlayStation, whatever to it. And hopefully this means that I should be able to start doing uh that other side project we've been talking about for a little bit soon pending i can get a webcam because there's are you no cheating kind of on the, out are you cheating on the game the flaters podcast of the side no project? no 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 no. secret project coming up soon stay secret aware project. Okay. okay but in a not so secret project uh i started doing some pixel art with that second monitor because it's awesome and uh, my Wacom tablet, and I've always liked pixel art, and I've always wanted to try it out, try it out, because I'm an art <laughs> major, and uh, I got the perfect opportunity. I've got some friends interested in this. We're going to try to do the GMTK 2020 Game Jam. I've been watching GMTK's videos for a couple years now, and they're really awesome. And these game jams are phenomenal, and some of the stuff that people make. And I thought, you know what? Why not try to be part of a team to make a game? So I called up my friend who's a sound guy. I called up my friend who's a 
programmer guy and his brother who's also into programming and we're going to see if we can't throw something together so if anybody else is interested in checking that out you can go to itch.io slash jam slash gmtk 2020 uh it's going to start off july 12th at 8 p.m so check that out yeah. for more details if you're interested he's got a video on it he's awesome follow him watch his stuff too so anybody listening, uh, we will link that because I have no idea what Ryan just said. So I-T-C-H-O. What was it, Ryan? It's itch.io. The listeners itch. will know. The listeners will know. Okay, we're still linking it for those that don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll put out a tweet or retweet his original or whatever. And then uh, this week, I've just been playing a little bit more Paper Mario. Love me some Paper Mario. Uh I've been playing Animal Crossing still. I'm kind of starting to lose my interest, like, a little bit. There's definitely not been the everyday thing. There's definitely been a few slip-ups. I forgot to sell my turnips this week, so I lost a bunch of money on the market. And uh, I, I had a huge payday the other day, though. I got, like, 250,000 bells, which was, like, the most I'd ever gotten in one chunk. And uh, I bought some cool stuff. There's been lots more cool stuff in my shop the last couple of weeks, which has been fun. Um, I just got to I feel like I got to get online and play with the people that I know that play it. But it just seems like we're never on at the same time because I usually try to get it done in the morning before I go to work or something. See, I had the benefit of not actually playing Animal Crossing on purpose, uh, so I wouldn't invest so much of my time and get pissed off by not selling bells because you know how I am with that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Ben, uh, we obviously have on here, it's not necessarily an article, but it's, uh, I guess, a new uh, optical disc emulator that came out called Mode, and it's by Terra Onions. So we're not as familiar with this and i know you and uh, and patrick who uh, unfortunately couldn't make it today uh were discussing uh, with us yesterday so do you mind kind of going into that in a little detail and and why this might benefit like sega players or sega gamers okay so sega players and sega gamers are going to benefit from this uh differently from other devices that will replace your optical drive the the first reasoning is it's really hard to get a hold of an optical emulator for the Saturn. The ones that are available are very hard to come by, and every time there's a batch of them released, they're sold out very quickly, and that's just it. You have to wait for the next batch to come out. And um, the second part of that that makes it really fascinating is this is compatible with both the Saturn and the Dreamcast. Now, not at the same time and not like cross compatibility between the two, like you can't play Dreamcast games on your Saturn or the other way around, but you can connect this device in either your Saturn or your Dreamcast. Now, I've never, I, it's very new and I haven't gotten a hold of one yet. So I don't know if you can very easily take it out of a Saturn and then move it between the Dreamcast and vice versa, pretty simply to do between the two. But I do know that its flexibility is really nice. It just basically, it works and it works with all the versions, you know, the, both the 20 pin and the 21 pin Saturns, you can uh, connect it to the five volt or the 3.3 line on the Dreamcast. It, it's, it's very highly compatible. You don't have to worry about all those little nuances with revisions on some of the other devices. And so we're really excited as far as um, in the Saturn and even the Dreamcast community, uh, what this means for us. Now, you do have to open your machine to put this in. This is one of those things that you do have to do a little surgery, but it does not look complex. Yeah, it's good to know. And, you know, as somebody that does a little bit of this on the side, Ryan can probably speak to this as well. I, I think he's done a little soldering and whatnot in the past, but... Uh, oh, you know, no, I've, I've never taken it that far. Oh, really? OK, nope. so, yeah, I've done a little bit of soldering and stuff in the past and tried to rework pins and whatnot. And, you know, it, it seems scary at first. But, you know, for the general everyday individual who might want to try this out, it's really not that hard uh, to kind of get a feel for it. I wouldn't recommend doing, you know, a full blown optical disc setup, you know, right off the bat is like your first project. But it, it's really easy to get into. It's actually a lot of fun to do this type of stuff. So, uh, you know, I could see why the, the communities would be really interested in seeing this move forward oh absolutely uh, yeah 100 percent. so um you know with that said have you done any modifications and such to some of your consoles that you own personally <laughs> I, I, would, <laughs> I would imagine <laughs> is that a loaded <laughs> yeah. question here uh, so basically every console that i have has a modification done to it uh, nice. i've done the 
HDMI mod on the my Dreamcast. I've done internal uh, mod ship to my Sega Saturn. I've got a um, one of those screen mods for both of my uh, Sega Game Gear and my Nomad. You know, every single thing that I have, I've tried to do any kind of modification to improve it. Very nice. I, I tried recently doing a Game Gear and redoing the caps, and I don't know what happened, but it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually and, difficult and game- on that. Well, the Game Gear is actually a great one for practice for uh, budding people who really want to get into the electronic side of things because the capacitors are large enough that you can get your hands on them and, uh, you know, you can get soldering into that. You know how to get around the board. Um, now, some of the other modifications, say like the the McWills screen, is is pretty hard to do if you haven't done soldering before. But, um, but like a cap change... Uh, a Sega Game Gear is definitely one where I recommend for new newcomers to the to the art. And see, the issue I had is I had some blown capacitors in there that leaked all over. So when oh. I was, it, it basically, yeah, it rotted into some of the boards. So I'm here trying to like scrape away some of the board to get to another piece of copper to link everything, and it, it just was not having it. So unfortunately, that uh, that Game Gear was dead. Wasn't oh coming back yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, yeah, it just sucks because I put so many hours into getting, not hours, but a couple hours into trying to take it all apart, take out my caps, mm-hmm. put in new caps, and just it didn't work. I was so angry. So we had, a, I think the reason that project came up is Ryan and I wanted to do a Game Gear a game that week, and we ended up having to go Super Nintendo, I think, which was Yeah, we went through like two Game Gears. We went through three oh, Game Gears. Three Game Gears. Oh, none of man. them worked. It's so painful when you have a console like that, and it just doesn't work. So... Yeah, it was so frustrating, um, which actually, uh, so the next piece I wanted to talk about here, it was uh, the, the prospect of a Saturn Mini, but can you imagine just a new Game Gear with rechargeable batteries and smaller and compact? I mean, it, it pretty much could be a Vita, but just that old Game Gear feel would be pretty cool to have a, oh, a Mini great. version. Oh, that'd be so sick. Something that isn't space. like as difficult to carry around and doesn't eat six double a batteries for breakfast <laughs> hey look if you're smart if you're smart you got that av plug-in and you just sat next to a wall the whole time dude i had like I did, the whole game gear setup when i was a kid and i could just never appreciate it because i'd never had like a plethora of batteries i played it like maybe a couple times a year if i would remember to get batteries <laughs> i think our definition of portability was a lot different back then than it is now <laughs> yeah a hundred percent man that, that's why i say like that av I mean, game boy killed up. It out the gate though oh yeah no game boy did but dude the game gear would have been amazing if it wasn't i feel for six batteries i personally enjoyed playing game gears much more than i did game boys and game oh, boy colors absolutely. it was a hundred percent better console so much more fun to play those and the fact that your screen lit up was even better. So, I mean, come on, dude. Yeah, like, I mean, no, uh, yeah. you, I can't deny that it was a fantastic machine. Like, it definitely was the, uh, you know, the premier thing that I ever had for portability until I got, like, a GBASP, really. For sure. Ben, any any stories you have on, uh, on Game Gear that people may want to hear? Oh, man. Okay, so my Game Gear is just this older one that was given to me by a friend of mine. And uh, so what ended up happening was he gave me this busted Game Gear. And so I recapped it and fixed it. It was great. Okay, fine. And um, so now I'm like, I have a Game Gear with no games. And so I end up picking up a few that, um, you know, just running through like Sonic and um, all that good stuff. And then I'm like, okay, I got to try out some of these other Game Gear games. And so I ended up picking up, I've got a bowl basically of all these games that I've picked from, you know, Incredible Hulk, um, the Sonic Drift, all these other different ones. And um, it's, it's a really fun little system. It's basically like a handheld version of the, uh, the Sega. Oh, what is that? The, um, the eight bit system that they had back in the day. And uh, so I, I just was always really impressed with it. Cause I didn't have one when it first came out because I was a Game Boy kid. You know, we that's just what we ended up getting. Uh, but then what ended up happening was I was like, all right, we got to improve this game gear. And so I ended up picking up that McWills modification and I put that in there. And I'm like, oh, my God, this thing makes a world of a difference. And uh, it makes Sonic actually 
able to be played because you don't have the blur, the color blur going across when you're playing the thing. And mm -hmm. uh, so it's it's a lot of fun to do that way. And so now, like uh, Game Gear wise, I have a uh, I'm looking at my collection here. I've got a good 40 games, I would say, on the Game Gear and I've played a good lot of them. And um, aside from uh, just a couple of them that just were kind of bland, it's actually a pretty good library. Yeah, I'm looking at my uh, VG Collect that I, I pinned on our Discord chat here. I got 25 Game Gear games myself. And uh, dude, uh, similar to you, it wasn't a console I grew up playing. It was more of a, if I went to a friend's house, they had a Game Gear for some strange reason. All my friends had Game Gear consoles and I had a Game Boy. It's the weirdest thing growing up. Uh, but I would <laughs> play those. I, I absolutely loved it. It's so much better to my Game Boy. And I would pretty much ignore my friends to play that game. What's, what's and, collecting uh, for the Game Gear like? Is it expensive? It's actually, it's actually not if you want loose carts, right? Yeah, it's not bad. Like, there's only a few Game Gear games that you have to that are expensive, like Mega Man or um, the uh, Panzer Dragoon Mini that's out in Japan. You know, there's mm. only very few games that are really expensive for the console. Well, a lot of those were actually games that were on the Genesis to begin with or on the Super Nintendo. So you'd probably see those as superior games compared to the Game Gear regardless. So I would imagine it's kind of like the same reason why you have Game Boy ports and Game, Game Boy Advance ports that maybe aren't as expensive as, say, their counterparts on the on the bigger consoles. So, yeah, uh, Ryan, to answer your question, yeah, super collectible, super easy to collect for. And I don't think the library is super big, has it been? No, I don't think so. Uh, I can't remember the amount of games it is, but I don't think it's much over 100. So it yeah, could be it, a, a good starting point for a budding collector. Yes, especially for, yes. Especially for Sega, 100%. Um, okay, so back to what I, I wanted to start chatting about before I got you guys on a Game Gear tangent. Uh, so I saw some teasers because of the whole 25th anniversary of Sega. And somebody is saying, well, a Genesis Mini just came out not too long ago. And, and there's been Genesis Minis on the market for like aftermarket type for a long time. But they finally released like an official mod, Model 1 looking Sega Genesis not too long ago, I think last year. And there were some teasers about a Saturn Mini. So, you know, as a Saturn collector, is that something that excites you? Or are you kind of like the whole purist mode where, you know what, I got to have my discs and I don't want a mini console? Oh, no, no. I, I think the prospect of a Sega Saturn Mini is amazing uh, because, first off, the whole idea is I want people to play these games. Uh, I want them to experience them. I want them to know what it's like to actually play some of these Saturn games that they're never going to be able to afford. And um, by having a Saturn Mini, that would reintroduce a lot of these games to people that they've never even experienced before. And there's a lot of good experiences on the Saturn that I highly recommend, even what 25 years later. And so it is as much as it seems like kind of like a, a far reach that we'd actually get a Saturn Mini, it would be really cool if we really did. I'd, I'd be all in on that. Yeah, so I'm like all in on the mini consoles at this point. Um, you know, I didn't pick up an NES, but I got the SNES mini. I'll get a Genesis mini when it's a little cheaper. Um, you know, just because I have so many Genesis games that are on that console, there's no purpose for me to get it. Uh, but the one I, I really want to get would be a Saturn mini. I mean, there's so, to your point, there are so many games that have just recently skyrocketed in value. Like, I'm not about to drop 1500 to two grand on a Panzer Dragoon Saga. It's just not happening. Like right. there's no reason for me to spend that type of money on that particular game. And as much as I want to play it. So uh, you're right, man, a Saturn mini, it opens the door for people to enjoy these games. It's a cheaper route to go. And it, it's really, I, I think a neat idea that a lot of these companies are doing this. Hence Konami with the turbo graphics and PC core engine and all that, that they've done mini consoles for. It, it's really yeah. a great way to get people involved and get them to play some some higher price games that are truly never going to get to play or remember playing and just don't want to drop that type of cash now. Now, there's one downside to this whole Saturn Mini uh, conversation is uh, normally when you talk about uh, Saturn being done again, you always or we always will bring up the fact of the one game that we always want everybody to play, which is Panzer Dragoon Saga. Okay, And the downside is that's very unlikely in any scenario because the source code was lost. We don't have the source code for Panzer Dragoon Saga anymore. And uh, so it would probably have to get a remake, kind of like the way that Panzer Dragoon is getting right now, as well as Panzer Dragoon's Y, which is coming up pretty soon as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's a good point, man. Uh, and I mean, if you think about it, that's probably the case for a lot of games out there and the reason some of those don't actually make via the cut on some of these mini consoles. So, so would Saga not be available on a Saturn mini if they came out with it because they don't have the source code? Well, what he's saying is that they would have to probably remake it, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. They'd have to remake the game and redo it. Uh, the only other alternative is to do kind of like an emulation on the game that currently exists, because obviously we have the discs and copies of it available. Uh, but Yeah, because I mean, if it's a mini this- console, it'll be running emulations of the games anyways instead of discs. It gets into some technicality that I'm not sure if we need the original source to be able to run it. If it is mm. a, a case of being able to run just an emulated version, kind of like the way a Minafin core does it, then that would be amazing because we could all have basically anything we want, eh, licenses permitting, on this mini console. Yeah, I've I've never really owned like a, a Sega console, so I would be all over getting a mini to be able to experience that. I always have the hardest time whenever we play Sega games because I'm not used to the controllers like at all. Oh man, uh, Ben. So we covered Maximum Carnage on one of the yeah. uh, the games that we played. It was during Spider Month actually for us, and so I was like, Ryan, we got to play Maximum Carnage of Spider Man or, or Spider Man Maximum Carnage. I always forget the name terminology. But he was like, Okay, well, what are we playing on? I'm like, Well, I got the Saturn copy here, so that's what we're playing on, or not Saturn, sorry, <laughs> Genesis. And he was just like oh man really so we're sitting there and he's just like dying every single time like he just could not get past it (laughs) and it's my turn to come up and i'm like blazing through i'm like level three or four in the game he's like what the hell is this like i didn't grow up with this i can't play saturn or or genesis games or anything like this anymore because i'm I'm not used to it john so it it was pretty interesting the most experience Uh, (laughs) i ever got was the one they had set up at the dentist office that was like the only time i ever played (laughs) So uh, I just checked our recording software here. It looks like Patrick hopped on. Uh, I don't know if he's... Yeah, I'm here. Oh, sorry, sweet. I'm, guys, I am so, so sorry. I got my wires crossed so hard this weekend. I thought it was 11 o'clock, and I was like, oh, I'll just hop. I'm, I have my trainer at, at 9. I'll be able to go there and get back and get here in time. But obviously, I got those times mixed up, so I'm so, so sorry about that. Hey, you're, oh, you're all right. right. You're here now. Exactly. He missed out on all the fun, though. We were, we were talking so much shit about him. It was great. Sorry. <laughs> how, uh, how, how far are we into it? I'm so sorry, guys. Oh, uh, dude, we are uh, We are just talking about the idea of a Saturn Mini coming out. So this will be the second article. Uh, but we did have our currently playing current pickup. So we can mix it up today. If you want to talk about kind of some of the stuff you picked up recently and uh, what okay. you're playing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, right now I am playing... Uh... Uh, various fighting games because I actually picked up a, a couple things in regards to uh, arcade machines. So I picked up a uh, candy cab and I picked up uh, some seats from my Taito, uh, sorry, some Taito, uh, Taito stools from Japan. So I don't know if you guys ever watched things like High Score Girl or see retro arcades, but they have like these stools and stuff. So it has a, actually, hold on one second. I need to turn off my fan. It sounds like we're going to be going to Patrick's house to play some games later, Ryan. Yeah. After uh, after coronavirus goes away, we're going there. Hey, Ben, are are you located in Arizona as well or no? No, I'm yeah, actually sorry, located in Tennessee. Okay. I knew I recognized the accent from somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about so that. My fan is really. At? Oh, we're located in Arizona. Oh, okay. Yeah, Tennessee's beautiful. Yeah. Though. I've been there several times. Very much so. Gotcha. Yeah. All for right. sure. So sorry. I'm back. Yeah, sorry. I need to turn off my fan. It was really, really loud, and it's going to pick up a ton of background noise. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, you're good. The post-recording on this is going to be interesting. So I was noticing that uh, once you kicked in, Patrick, it still had us kind of recording, and yours was just getting started. So uh, we'll see. I should probably mark down the time frame you it came in. It was like in 27 minutes or something. Okay. Yeah, post-recording will be interesting. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, no, We'll I'm fix so it in sorry, post. That is, that is like all on me. I am such an idiot. I'm, I'm so sorry. Hey, dude, I might just send this to Pat. I think I'm going to send the post-recording to Patrick. <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> all right, so... Uh, right, let me go. Yeah, what are you currently playing, dude? Uh, so I'm playing... Uh, like I said, I'm playing... Ver- is there if I just restart that whole segment? I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, dude. No, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so, Ren... <clears throat> So right now I'm playing uh, various arcade machine arcade games because I actually got a a candy cab and some uh, actually on top of that title stool. So I don't know if you guys are uh, seeing a high score girl at all. 
I've heard about uh, it. No, I haven't. Yeah, well, at least in high school, in like various Japanese arcades, they have a, they have sort of a arcade these arcade machines like the sit down candy cab. So I have a specifically a Net City. So it's basically the uh, it was basically when they first introduced the JVS arcade standard from JAMA to uh, sort of I guess uh, increase resolutions, increase button count, stuff like that. So uh, I got that, and I got some title stools. So it's like uh, those arcade stools you see in like the Japanese. Old footage like arcades, we have like these little stools that are like very small. They're about twenty, about forty-three centimeters high or so. So very short to the ground. I think that's about a, I think it's about like like a, yeah, a couple, a few inches. So, but I got picked up those things. I've been playing a lot of arcade games. So I've been playing Guilty Gear, uh, How, Zombie Revenge, uh, Capcom vs SNK One and Two, and uh, what's the other one I was playing? Um, and uh, Virtual Tennis. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures of that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a really cool arcade machine. I, I love it. Uh, it's got some work I need to do on it. There's some yellowing on the monitor, but it was it was worth it. It was pretty pricey, but you know, I mean, those Japanese arcade machines are kind of a you're kind of a a, a victim to what you can get because it's like those things are hard to come by. Yeah, so yeah. When you you get find what you them, get. you usually end up paying more than they're worth sometimes. Yeah, that makes sense, man. Uh, so uh, the other piece we were talking about here uh, before we really get into our inflation deflation segment uh, was we were talking about the pr- the prospect of a Sega Saturn Mini potentially coming out. And so Ben was, you know, the the viewpoint we all kind of had on this after speaking about it was that uh, pretty much a Saturn Mini would be welcome primarily for new players to just kind of come in and experience like these great games that most of them are not going to be able to afford. So what's your opinion on that, man? Um, <clears throat> uh, basically the way that I feel about it is that nowadays there's just so many different ways of playing a Saturn. Uh, I mean, there's sort of PC emulation, like for SSF or Mednafen, if you guys heard of that, those, uh, emulators at all, uh, on top of, uh, things like the Polymega that are coming out that are, that allow you to play Saturn discs and I guess images, if you have them inside on like an actual emulation environment. Uh, on top of not not to mention it's not really popular in America. It's like one of those things where nobody really in America has nostalgia for it, like the uh, the Super Nintendo or the NES or sort of uh, even like even like the Neo Geo to an extent uh, didn't really have. There's not a lot of nostalgic and marketing for, or a market for that in the U.S. Maybe in Japan where the where the Saturn outsold the Mega Drive, but in terms of the U.S., there's really no market for that sort of device so if they were to release one it'd probably be japan only and it probably wouldn't really do well here in america if they released it just like uh just like history i suppose yeah that, uh, that's a good point uh, you know at, at the same time though it could be one of those things that's maybe a limited type of release where which would suck for the, the bulk of those that want one uh due to scalping but if they had a limited type of release where it's like hey we're only going to release like a one-time print of this in america so you kind of get it and if you do great if you don't well good luck uh, i could see that happening potentially as well i just think at the end of the day it's basically who is this for I mean, is it for the one or two people that owned a Saturn back in the day? Was it, uh, is it for, you know, collectors? Is it like shelf pieces? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of people I know that get these devices just end up putting them on their shelf and just, you know, sitting there mostly. I don't know a lot of people that really. They look better than they are practical to use. Exactly. Unless you travel. I I have found that traveling with these mini consoles is fantastic. Yeah, that really. Portable I, you know, I didn't even think about that. To make that awesome, I know what I'm doing on my next business trip. <laughs> I, I suppose so, but I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you could probably get a device that can hook up HDMI to like any like a handheld or something of that nature. I couldn't imagine somebody taking a Saturn in their suitcase and playing it on a flat screen hotel in a yeah flat screen in a hotel. Mm-hmm. But I, guess, I mean, knowing knowing you, Ben, maybe maybe I, you might be the the one to do I have that. actually done this because it cracked up the security when he opened up my bag, and I had to pull out the Sega Saturn and put it in the uh, the tote by itself. And so we had a few security guards come check it out and showing it off. It was pretty funny. So uh, that's pretty funny. So Ben, I, I don't recall if I talked about this on our most recent episode, but I had a similar situation. I was flying back. I used to I used to run an anime con for about eight years. And an old friend of mine had actually given me an Atari 5200 to take back. 
So of course I'm not, I didn't want to ship that thing. It's like $80 to ship it. So it's like, I'll just stick it in my luggage. Same thing happened, man. This guy opens up. He's like, what the hell is this thing? I'm like, it's a 5,200. <laughs> so we're like taking on the conveyor belts and looking at the games and everything on the conveyor belts. It's ridiculous how that goes. Uh, it's kind oh, of funny. I had that same thing with a PSP. Like I brought, I, I bring my PSP cause I load it with like, like emulators for GBA and you know, NES and stuff. I mean, I super Nintendo too, but I don't think it plays very well, but. It's mostly for like Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, Eternal Duelist and stuff, but I just think it was uh, like I like the looks you get. It's like even with the PSP, it's like wait, people don't remember this that well or what? I know. <laughs> That's generally how it goes. Um, let's see. So our next piece here, man, that we'll get into is going to be our inflation deflation segment. Uh, so from what I understand, you guys played the Sega Saturn version of Castlevania, or you have played it in the past, Symphony of the Night. And then Ryan and I went ahead and took on the PlayStation version to kind of talk about that. So maybe what we can do is before we get into that, uh, you guys can probably enlighten us a little bit more on the power of the Saturn and where the PlayStation pales in comparison to that console. Okay, so um, the first oh, you question. Yeah, yeah. So the first question I have for you guys is when you started the game, who did you start the game as? Because um, I, I chose to play as the girl fighter, uh, Maria. Uh, but who did you guys play as? Uh, my man, Alucard. Of course. That, who else is that's, there? That's, did you actually have a choice, though? <laughs> I don't think we did. <laughs> so, yeah. So, OK, so that was the first thing with the Saturn. The Saturn version is more kind of like, in my mind, a deluxe version of the PlayStation uh, Symphony of the Night. And so when you start up the Saturn game, you have the choice between three characters. You have Maria, you have Alucard, and you have Richter. And uh, you can play the game beginning with any of them. Now, if you start with Alucard, it starts the game just where it starts in the PlayStation version where you fight Dracula. Uh, but if you start with Richter or Maria, it starts after that fight and where you start at the castle. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Okay, that makes sense. Do yeah, they have so, those uh, mad jumps though? Yeah, uh, they do. No, the mad but Richter jump. gets them. Oh, the mad jumps. Are you, you talking about the when, one when into they, the like, castle? they like run and jump over the the drawbridge as it's closing up? Yes, yes. Ah, uh, well, see, Ryan, this is now just disappointing. They just like shat all <laughs> over our PlayStation versions. I, I can see why that would be superior. Okay, so from don't a worry, what's it's, that? It's a it's a it's a downhill spiral from here. So. <laughs> it, it really is <laughs> because here's the problem is the normally when I'm talking about the PlayStation and the Sega Saturn in regards to 2D games, the 2D games are so much better on the Saturn. It's like a powerhouse for these things. Even the control scheme and the controller, if you hold it, is much better for 2D games than it is for 3D. And it, it just if you're using so the Japanese better. pad, of course, of course, absolutely. Um, but in this case, in this one very strange, weird case of Castlevania Symphony of the Night, where even though it's a deluxe version with more characters, a couple extra levels, uh, different death, um, you know, kind of animations for the characters and all this other little stuff, it, it's the Saturn version is kind of lacking on the PlayStation version. And it's very strange in that amount. Yeah, and the weird thing is I don't think it has much to do with the it not being capable. It's mostly because of the developers. Because, I mean, this was a, a third, sort of a, cap, a, a Konami B team that was working on this. And essentially, a lot of them didn't have a lot of Saturn experience, so they weren't able to replicate as well. You know, they weren't able to replicate what they did on the PS1 as well as they did on the Saturn. Not to mention it wasn't the main team that worked on Symphony of the Night to begin with. So it was very... Rocky, like there's some transparency issues. I think there's res there's a resolution difference with it as well. That's a little bit higher on the Saturn. So you have to stretch some textures, things of that nature. There's and there's a there's a bit of lag as well. Sounds to me like Konami had their priorities right. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I don't know it. Can, that kind of seems to be the way it is with the the Saturn. I mean, well, a lot of the the Saturn seems to be like the second note. Even though some games like uh, Police Knots on the Saturn got a got a better version of it than the PS One. But at the end of the day, it was you know it was the it was on the Saturn. It was like the second the, the second version they did of that game. Now yeah, that it's sense. not 
it's not saying that the Saturn version is bad and that it's unplayable. It's nothing like that. It's just, it wasn't quite as smooth as the PlayStation version. The PlayStation version uh, looked better with its textures and things like that. Now, uh, where the Saturn version does come out ahead is the audio is a bit better. Uh, now, that can be a little bit argued depending on who you ask, but uh, when I was listening to both of the audios when I was playing the Saturn version uh, versus when I was listening to the PlayStation version, uh, the Saturn version did feel a little bit more fuller on the um, on the audio quality. Uh, there are the extra characters, there are the extra levels, there are a few differences in items, so it is worth playing. It's not that it's not worth playing at all. This is definitely something that you do want to play, and uh, so it... it it was still a really fun game to get into. Sweet, dude. So uh, I guess we'll go into kind of the PlayStation experience. Ryan, you recently beat it. I haven't beat it. Uh, I played me two hours last night. So in my mind, the music on this game is top notch. The pixel art on this is amazing. And uh, the overall speed and controls of the game are, are top notch as well. Like I enjoyed every moment that I played last night of this game. So Symphony of Night is definitely a game I'm going to be revisiting uh, after the fact. Um, and so uh, I enjoyed it. So Ryan, you recently beat it. So I think you could probably talk a little bit more towards, you know, the overall story and how everything progressed for you and uh, maybe any like glitches or anything that you noticed while progressing through the game itself. So I think that it's one of the better games. I mean, it established the Metroidvania genre for a reason. It, whatever console you're going to play it on, whether it's PlayStation or on the Saturn, it's going to be a tremendous experience either way. Now, I think that the, uh, the point where most people kind of think that it really takes it over the edge is when you flip the castle halfway through the game, when you think you're at the end of the game and you got to go all the way through the upside down castle, that part is probably where it starts to drag down the most especially if you're trying to go for like a full completion. Like I got pretty close. I actually checked my percentage numbers after talking the other day about it. And I was at like 196% and trying to fill out like all of the, the map can be a little bit of a pain uh, trying to get certain drops or rare. Uh, all the different weapons are pretty cool. But by the time I got halfway through the game, I already had like, pretty much the best weapon and most of the things i was picking up i wasn't really using at all i wound up with just a huge inventory list of like one use damage items and health items that weren't potions that i bought and it's uh it's really using any of the special effects on though any of the special abilities on those items uh yeah so i can't remember what sword i was using at the end but it was the one where you can like teleport behind the guy in front of you and slash from behind or you can do like a big slash in front of you i think it's a katana of some kind but using the special moves oh, nice. is awesome i think the thing the system that i used the least was the magic like i hardly ever used like any of the magic i think i didn't get all the magic spells either and like i never used the wolf form except for like the one part where you have to and you spend most of the you second half the of the castle spells. just in bat mode. What was that, Patrick? What do you mean by uh, what do you mean by magic spells? There's like uh, spells that you can input. That's like one of them is like a just like a, a homing blast that radi it goes out from you and it will hit an enemy. Are you talking about the oh relic? oh I I don't I know what you mean like the inputs like the dark metamorphosis and stuff yeah okay. stuff like that. I hardly ever used any of that. I don't even think I got the metamorphosis. Yeah, I didn't use those much myself either. I think you can I think you can do all of them. You just have to know what the commands are. Mm -hmm. It's it's got so much built into it and you can really use a lot of it. Like I know that there's special combinations of like I think there's a certain armor or a certain item that you can get and if you equip it and then you use like the Basilard, it's like so fast and you can do like tons of damage like i had fun trying to like max out my int and use some of the the magic rod weapons a little bit here and there or like the shield rod and just have a beefy shield the blocking was always kind of weird like i felt like i could block sometimes and other times it would just blast me away and i didn't really have a gauge of what was making that happen i feel like some of the descriptions of how to do some of the things in the game can be a little bit 
you know, off. And I don't know if that's just from translation. Like I, I remember reading that people had a hard time figuring out, oh, you got to get the uh, the stopwatch and then go into the clock tower to get through the one path. Like I had to look it up. I had no idea how to get there. Don't worry. You should uh, you should try being in Japanese and trying to do that same thing. <laughs> I know. I got a bunch of uh, Vita games in Japan, and I haven't tried really playing any of them because I know it's just going to be me holding my phone with Google Translate and trying to see if I can sparse out what they're trying to say. Maybe you can get one of those new like microphone things, and when you talk into it, it translates over to English. Just have it connected to your Vita. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's it, just, it. Just keeps saying Onisan, 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 <laughs> or brother, brother, all the time. You know, I Dude, also wanted really to ask: good. Has anybody played the PSP version of this? Which I know kind of brought I... back in all the other characters that you couldn't play in the original PlayStation release. So I have it. I've only played it for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm in. I'm in the same boat as Ben. I have it. I've only played it for a few minutes. Same here. I literally picked it up. I want to see the voice differences with with Richter. I beat Dracula, and I was like, "Okay, I'm good," because I I already beat it at that point like three or four times. Yeah, it, it's one of those games that you can really come back to. Like, I feel like not all games hold their replay value, but this game is just so much fun to play, and you you get so familiar with where you're going. I could totally see after you know so many playthroughs this being something that you can do like a one-off in a weekend once a year if you were into it or once every couple of years if you're into it. It's yeah. a pretty dangerous uh, dangerous drug on the play- on any of the systems because it's like you start playing, oh, I'm going to check out a little bit. And it's like three hours later, and it's like, oh, I already beat like three or four of the bosses and I have like all this HP and items. Yeah, just keep going. Yeah. And, and this game does have the benefit of being one of those titles that's maybe eight, nine hours in total gameplay uh, if, you, if you're getting through it, you know, on your first try. And so I could definitely see this as something that you would want to play continually over the, over the years, uh, similar to that of, you know, Super Mario World or, or any other platformer or Metroidvania out there. You occasionally can boot this up and say, yeah, let's go ahead and get through this again. That reminds me, I need to go finish up Super Metroid. I still haven't finished that yet. Oh, dude, I finished that last year. It was so much fun. I love that game. Yeah, yeah that's actually, sure. that's actually what got me into the whole like Metroidvania type games was that game in particular. So I'm trying to play more of those as a you know as I continue to play. Um, Have you beat the Metroid Fusion yet? No, I haven't. I have that not. one is basically that one's basically a sequel to Super Metroid. So I would highly recommend playing that. Okay, I'll take a look at that one. Thanks for recommendation. Um, so we could probably get into a little more brass tacks here. Uh, Ryan, if you want to jump into the overall developer, publisher, director. Release okay, date, so we've uh, got uh, developed by Konami Computer Entertainment Tokyo, which I'm guessing is that uh, B studio for Konami you were talking about earlier. And uh, uh, on the Saturn, I think the main I think it was the main company for the PS1 version. Okay. And then uh, we've got the publisher Konami directed by Toru Higa. Hagehara and Koji Igarashi released back in March of 97. Uh, it established the Metroidvania style and it's got, like we talked about, a bunch of action RPG elements in it. Uh, reception near perfect scores across the board for this one. Everybody knew that this was going to be the game for a long time, right when it came out. Yeah, when we start getting the pricing on this game, uh, you guys took a look at it from a Saturn perspective, and and we did from a PlayStation, but we've got it all here. Uh, so, uh, really, the most expensive version of this game is the complete in box PAL PlayStation version, which uh, there's recent sales as high as two hundred eleven dollars, and the cheapest version being just a loose copy at forty five twenty nine for the PlayStation, and it being a greatest hits, not even the uh, the normal black label. Uh, so the uh, scratch disc specials, as like they call them. The what, the what specials? The scratch disc specials. The scratch disc specials? Oh, you know, yeah. The one that you throw on your like uh, little CD rack that has that's with the other loose discs that all the scratch on the back. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then, uh, you know, normally I just go get those taken out. <laughs> so, yeah, if I can get them cheap enough, I will. Uh, so I'll get into the pricing on the PlayStation version, which, Ryan, I think you have it up here. Uh, yeah, so complete in box. On this is currently, wow, I didn't realize it's currently going for $107 uh, for complete. 
And that's actually a peak right now. Uh, and it is still trending up in price point. And then we've got the loose copy of the PlayStation going at $49.99. And that peaks back in December of 2018 at $54.97. That's kind of trending up and holding. Uh, so that's really what we're looking at from a price point on PlayStation. Uh, ben, did you have the Sega or the Sega Saturn prices on your end? Yeah, absolutely. So not surprisingly, the Sega Saturns are floating a little bit higher than that, just because Saturn in general floats a little higher um, out of the realm. And uh, so your loose Saturn price is around $78 on price charting, while price charting uh, states a complete in box is about $140. But when we were looking at eBay, we saw it a little bit more consistent at about $155 to $160. Yeah, so probably one of his out. Yeah, one of his outliers, probably uh, that 140 is probably somebody got a pretty good deal. Well, not a pretty good yeah. deal, but close enough. I mean, either way you look at it, this is a pricey game to own. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's actually kind of funny. I actually bought them both quite recently uh, around, uh, I think it was it's two th- last year. I bought actually both of them, uh, one of them in the beginning of the year and one towards the end. So I bought the PS1 version at the beginning of the year, uh, I think, and 19 for about, I think, $60. So the price jumped up quite a bit since I picked that up. I remember, I think, once the new season of the... No, no, it was a new season. It was when that collection came out. It jumped up to like 100 and something. And then I bought the the Saturn version. I think it was like 120 or 130. So that's jumped up quite a bit too. But I think that's going to reflect in the overall market increase recently of video games where we're seeing like $80 Animal Crossing copies, uh, $200 Path of Radiance copies, things of that nature. Yeah, some pretty ridiculous pricing going on right now. Uh, I actually picked up uh, the PlayStation 1 version of this game. Uh, God, when was it? Like three weeks ago? So we had actually talked about uh, the great gaming pickup of 2020. It was our 76th episode we ran four weeks ago. And this came in a huge lot that I picked up. So we're talking six, $7,000 worth of games I picked up recently. And this happened to be one of the games that was in there. So I was super stoked because uh, I've got, I think it's Bloodlines is the other one, correct? And then, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And then I just, I was waiting for this one to be able to find it for a good price and uh, happened to fall into my lap as a black label. So I just got it recently, which is one of the main reasons I haven't played it yet. Yeah, no, it's it's a really fun game. I, I originally, I only played it on the Saturn. That was the first time I played it was on the Saturn in Japanese. So that was a, a, a fun experience, especially people that know that played it when you have to go into various menus, like getting a, I think you have to get the, the castle map. You have to get a couple other items to be able to unlock the upside down castle. Uh, that's pretty. That's pretty much the worst of it when you do that because it's kind of like all Japanese menus. So you have to look up the Japanese name for each of the items, compare it, and then figure that out. So that, that was fun. When when was that that you did that? Uh, I did that. I think it was eight or eighteen or seventeen. I beat it for the first time. So how long Very ago? Nice. I'm trying to get said, an idea right? of what kind of internet resources you had to look all this up with. I, I said it was a 2018 <laughs> okay. and 2017. Oh, okay. But right. I, 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 yeah. Ryan, he just said that. I, I, thought, said I thought he said when he was 17 or 18. So oh, I, meant, I, I meant the year 17, the year 2017, 2018. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Don't worry, Patrick. I understood you. Ryan, it just went over his head like a joke. Gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, yeah um... But yeah, it, uh, I mean, I, to be honest, there was a game game FAQ from two thousand like two thousand eight or nineties. No, sorry, it was I think it was like ninety nine or oh one or something. I used the game game FAQ for it. So it was a uh, it was quite recently. Uh, it was quite a time ago. So I mean, if you're in that area, I mean, you could probably I guess if you're in the nineties, probably just print it out or the early two thousand, just print it out or like just put your monitor close to your TV or whatever. Nice. So. Uh... All right, so I guess coming down to the nitty-gritty here, we got the price points. We've played it. We truly enjoy this game. It's got nearly perfect scores. Do you guys think from a Saturn perspective at $140 complete in box or even a $78 loose copy, is it worth that price point? If you want to pick that game up right now, is it worth paying that type of money? Uh, well, what what do you mean by worth it? Like, I mean, like is from, it, as we, a collector, <laughs> like if you have all these okay. routes to play this game, to own this game, would you pay that? Or do you think it's inflated uh, as, or deflated? Uh, as a collector, I think uh, right now, especially with the way the games are, I think it's definitely inflated. But, I mean, it's not really uncommon for games to rise up this high and not lower down. I mean, 
look at games on the Dreamcast. I mean, Power Stone a couple of years ago was like 15 was like maybe $40. And it's still hovering in the $100 range after a few years. So I think that's the scary thing about game collecting is that prices jump up and sometimes they stabilize, but they never seem to sometimes go down to where they originally were. But I mean, we, we were looking at like $50 copies of any of the first party Nintendo games about two or three years ago for the N64. So I wouldn't be surprised if it jumps down a little bit more. But I know Symphony is one of those games that seems to rise up, 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 up and up as new things come out with it. So uh, it's going to be a tricky one. Um but I mean, it, it's all up to you. In my opinion, if you want it, if you want it, and you want to make sure the price doesn't go up, I would pay for it. Even if you overpay for it, it's still a fun game to have. It's like, oh, well, I paid a little bit more for this, but I mean, it's Symphony, and this game is replayable so much. I mean, somebody that like me that doesn't play games very often and replays them, I play that like three or four times. So, uh, at the end of the day, I have to say that if you really need it, the PS One version, yes, uh, Saturn version. Uh, if you're collecting it, yes. If you want to play it, play the PS1 version. Don't hurt yourself, please, or or just get like a pseudo pseudo Saturn or something. Ben, what's your opinion on the price point? I think the price point is just slightly inflated, and the reason I say that is because this is a high quality game. Um, even though the PlayStation version has its a little its motion superiority to it, uh, the Saturn version is still relevant here, and it's still a very very good game to play. Uh, you're going to get a lot of replayability with it. You're going to get your hours out of it. And uh, so that being stated, you know, a loose copy on the Saturn being $78, I, I would actually say a loose copy should be about $60. And uh, at that rate, I think it's totally worth it. Totally a good game. Um, I would call a complete inbox at about 110 120 to be very worthwhile but at the same time we're talking about saturn which everything just in general is expensive i mean we got a horse racing game that's expensive so it's just um you never yeah. know what you're dealing with on the system but it's um but as far as the game itself i would say slightly inflated but a very good game for the price yeah like, like you, you can't go wrong even if you pay a little bit more for it i mean it's simply the night and even on saturn with its flaws it's still very playable uh, I wouldn't recommend playing it for the first time on Saturn because Japanese is kind of it's kind of hard if you don't know what you're doing a little bit, especially with the items and some of the menuing. But I mean, it's still very playable for the first time on on the on the on the Saturn. Sweet, all good points. So you guys are kind of along the lines of it's slightly inflated currently, but uh, definitely worth it. And so, you know, that's kind of where I'm at with the PlayStation version right now too. So. I would look at this from a, if I'm just a general collector or I just want to generally play the game and I don't know about emulators, I don't know about any of this, if 40 to 50 bucks, if I had to pick up a loose copy, I'd say a loose copy would be worth about 40 bucks in my opinion. And a complete in box at 100, that's definitely collector level pricing. I mean, I would say if I was paying $85, I'd be making a pretty good deal there for this game. And you know, we're talking inflation right now. Everything's up in price. So I would agree with you guys. It's currently slightly inflated. It's still a fantastic game. It's got nearly perfect scores all the way around on this thing. And, and it controls well. It's definitely a game that it's a must play game if you're a gamer. And so I, I would be comfortable saying slightly inflated, but still worth it. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you're paying like a Eiffel Home levels or De La Soba Deluxe levels. Or I just for you guys that don't know, those are very rare games on the Saturn. They go easily in the thousands of dollar range, and those games are not very great. One of them, Eiffel Home, is literally a house simulator. You walk around a house, like a model house that they had for agency, and De La Soba Deluxe is just a art, a I guess it was a game show thing where you drive on a bike and deliver things. So yeah, you could definitely do much worse on the Saturn. Yeah, for sure. Ryan, what, what do you got on this, man? So looking at the graphs of the PlayStation and the rising prices of it, uh, I think that because this is such a legendary game and everybody's got to play it at some point, I think that the pool of gamers growing up is going to eventually reach a point where this game's going to be like selling for even more than it is now. Because there are going to be so many more people that really want this game. This is one of those games that like more and more people are going to want, you know, as gaming gets out there. And, you know, I mean, it's already so ubiquitous. And so many of those people probably haven't heard of this. But anybody who does is going to want to get their hands on it. 
So I think that it is expensive and, uh, you know, games like you guys were saying in general are just kind of expensive right now. I think that even though it's a little bit inflated, it might be just right to get in on it, you know, before it gets even more like save, save what money you can in the future by investing now. Well, and we had talked about this before we started recording. Patrick, you, you weren't in on this uh, earlier, but uh, I had talked about some of the games that I have on my shelf, like Africa on PS3, and Ben was like, oh, crap, you have Africa. Like, it's actually a pretty weird game. Dude, that's my favorite Toto song. Love that. Oh, I love that game. Or I love that song, too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but uh, the game itself with a K, by the way, on Africa. So... That game's pretty rare on the PS3. It's kind of established itself as an up-and-coming rare title. And that's a game that when it first came out, I looked at that and said, you know what? That's going to go up in price, and I should probably get it now so I don't have to pay that price point later on. I can. How see- much is that at right now? Uh, ben, what'd you see it at, like 80 bucks or 90 bucks? Yeah, it was about complete? 80 to 90 yeah, jeez, so, I kind of regret not picking that up when I saw it for like three bucks at GameStop now. So I picked those up when they were about 20 bucks at GameStop. I got two copies of it sitting around here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same situation of this, right? So if you don't kind of jump on the ship now and grab this thing while it's 100 bucks, it could potentially go up higher. There's obviously the downside that maybe it drops down in price. But to all of our points here, it's still a great game. You're still going to enjoy it. You're still going to play the hell out of it. If you're just looking at it to as shelf dressing to just pop up there and have it, yeah, maybe you don't want to spend a hundred bucks, but uh, if you're going to play this game, it's well worth paying, paying for it now, hundred percent. Yeah. So for sure, it's it's the game collection is just tricky in general. That thing, I mean, it's always a gamble. You'll have situations where you know you'll get that game, but you know, like the Africa or something like JoJo's Bizarre All Star Battle, but then you'll get something like a Hello Kitty Island Adventure where they reprint it on the on the Switch and it's you know a little bit cheaper, but. It don't don't bash my Hello Kitty, Patrick. Did you do you actually have a wee copy of that? No, God, no, I don't have a wee copy oh. of that. I was, I was looking say. I was looking for one for pure prospect of flipping at that point in time, but that was about it. I actually was on one, but I actually was on a. I actually got like cheap copies on eBay, but they canceled those. But we'll go into flipping later on the segment when we go to, into me flipping all my games. No, uh, <laughs> but but yeah, no, I think uh, I think at the end of the day, yeah, it's expensive. It's worth it. Go go play it. I mean. I mean, if you really if you really want a good deal, your probably best bet is uh, the the sand. But the thing is that even if you don't want to pay that much, you still have great options. Like the was it the um, the Castlevania collection on the PSP and mm-hmm. the new one on the uh, the PS4 that came out as well. So I mean, it's not a game that's like you can't play it anymore if you don't get it. Like many other Saturn titles, uh, <laughs> Dragon Saga, or anything of that nature. It's just, you know, you, you're able to play that. But, you know, if you want the PS1, the, uh, the best retro version, it's definitely the PS1's probably the most bang for your buck, in my opinion. Oh, I thought he was about to say the PS1 version just kind of stopped there. We almost had him, Ryan. Almost had the Sega Saturn <laughs> Shiro podcast. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much uh, the episode for us this week. Uh, Ryan and I will probably select a, a new game for next week at some point during the week. Uh, but guys, thanks for coming out on this episode and, and recording with us. It was definitely a blast. And we've enjoyed talking a few leading up to the podcast and obviously just before and our test episode yesterday and everything. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. And before I get off, I do want to make a recommendation to anybody that likes this game who has played it in the past or has played the other game to try Castlevania Symphony of the Night is Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Uh, that you're oh, going absolutely. To be- right at home if you like castlevania uh symphony of the night i, I got it but i got it on switch of it. <laughs> it yeah oh, it's it, wonderful it's, for sure yeah i i do have to agree with ben it's a great game i played i, I played that all the way through it's amazing it's basically the spiritual successor of, it is actually spiritual successor spiritual successor of a uh, of a uh, symphony of the night so if if you love that game and the other castlevania games like the well, the ds and the game boy advance definitely pick that one up would you play it Very on nice. uh, i played it on ps4 personally yeah, yeah same here i played it on the ps4 and uh, it is so familiar even those in between screens where you go between sections where they're silent they even have that in there it's very much a very spiritual successor to the game 
I mean, it's even by Igarashi, and even the person that did the soundtrack to the original Castlevania, Symphony of the Night, is doing the did the soundtrack for for uh, Bloodstained. So yeah, I definitely recommend doing picking that game up. Uh, the only issue I had with it is I had some glitches where it would soft lock me into the water if I flew into it at a certain angle. But I think those are all patched out now. But man, I ran into so many glitches in that game when I played it. Yeah, still that fun was, though. That was the problem with the Switch version. They had to like patch in a bunch of stuff and it still had like major slowdown issues at certain points. Like I tried playing it and then I just kind of was like, uh and it just kind of turned me off. Yeah, I've heard I heard the the P, the PS4 and Xbox versions and PC are a bit better because of that. It doesn't have those slowdown issues, but they still had a ton of glitches, but I'm hoping by now they patched that out. It's been, what, about a year since it dropped? So, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's definitely not as good as Symphony, but it's basically almost as good. It's, like, right there, like, on the cusp. It's like, more yeah. Symphony. It more Symphony, Symphony last night. <laughs> last night. Yeah, that's actually one I got to pick up as well. Uh, okay, so, uh, guys, where, uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find us at uh, Uh You can listen to us on uh, Podiums, Podbeans, Spotify, uh, Napster, wherever podcasts aren't sold at. Uh, and, of course, on YouTube at Sega Saturn Shiro. Uh, you can find us on Twitter as well at, uh, at Play Sega Saturn Shiro on both Twitter and Facebook as well. Uh, and we're pretty active on there if you guys have any questions, complaints, uh, uh, you know, disagreements, feel free to send them our way. Sounds good. Uh, and so anybody can find us obviously on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube as well. So we're at game deflators on Twitter and then at the game deflators on everything else. And, uh, to Patrick's point, you can find us on Spotify, Podbean, uh, podcast addict, anywhere podcasts are found. Uh, if we're not Netflix, on there, Napster, Napster, uh, I, uh, wish, I wish we had a Netflix deal, dude. <laughs> sorry, I meant Napster, sorry, not Netflix. So Napster. I, I didn't know Napster had a podcast. I got to see if we're on there. It probably doesn't. I'm just, I was joking. Oh, well, <laughs> damn it. Well, you could probably find us on LimeWire if we're taking a travel. Oh, you know, my God. Yeah. Morpheus, Morpheus Kazaa. Yeah, Pirate Bay. We're all on there. We're everywhere. So, <laughs> yeah, we've got an archive going. Yeah, if we get to those levels, I, I think that's a good point. So, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put your stuff on Pirate Bay. It'll be cool. Okay, that'd be great. We appreciate it. That uh, brought in the audience a bit. Okay, well, uh, this has been episode 80 of the Game Deflators podcast. We've been joined by the Sega Saturn Shiro podcast. Uh, so my name is John. I'm Ryan. Been joined by... He's Ryan. We've been joined by Ben and Patrick. And thanks for listening. <laughs>